Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from Divine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I am so excited that you are walking with me. What that means is we are walking together through God's Word, just about three chapters a day, and uh, you're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters independently and then listen to the podcast, but they're going to be short, 10 to 15 minutes each day, so that you can listen to at the start or the finish of each day, and I believe that it'll bless you as it's blessed. Me. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage comes from Psalm 47, 48, and 49. 47, verse 1 says, Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Let's think about what it means for a second. When you think about clapping your hands. Okay, there's only a couple of times that you clap your hands, as funny as it is, but you you always clap your hands. And I don't even, it's funny, it's, a, it's more than a cultural thing. It actually transcends country to country, culture to culture. Yeah, for whatever reason, there is kind of a worldwide uh, common Understanding that if my two hands start to sound together, just that, just that, just even hearing of that, what does that mean? It, it basically means, well done. It, it, it basically means um, approval, acceptance, celebration. Just when the, with two hands of sounding together, right? And um, so this is back thousands of years ago. But the the sons of Korah, and I think all three of our psalms today are actually by the sons of Korah, and so were a couple of our psalms yesterday. Um, they they are saying, give God a celebratory praise. Take the hands that He made, the ones that He formed, and put at the end of your arms, and sound them together, because God is worthy of our our celebration, worthy of our acceptance, worthy of our approval, worthy of our adoration, right? I uh, I recently heard uh, about an actor, and um, he he just did a big movie now. But before uh, he was in this big movie, he did a small uh, independent film, and he, they took it to a movie festival, um, and. At the end of it, at the end of the movie, it, I was reading about it, and it said that the audience stood up at the end of the movie, and they gave him a 12-minute standing ovation in the movie theater. But it was for it was for the movie, but it was specifically for this actor's portrayal of the character that he was playing. A 12-minute standing ovation, and I just think about that, and I just think, man, I don't think I've ever been in a church service where God got a 12-minute standing ovation. Like, that's a, that's a challenge for me now. You know, now I'm just thinking, I, I want to be in a gathering of people that clap their hands for, to God and shout to God with loud songs of joy. You know, just, I mean, can you imagine even being in that room at that little independent film festival where these people are so moved, they're so moved and they're so appreciative of the of the portrayal that this man has given 
they're so appreciative of what their eyes have seen that they stand up and they bang their hands together and you can you can imagine a couple of whistles I can't whistle or else I would a couple of whistles and some you know yeah some shouts and and some claps and and just 12 minutes of that that's amazing and yet look at what God has done not even from all time not not even what he's done in the last year that's too that's too rich for us to even process but let's just think about what has God done in your life what has he done this week what has he done this month what has he done just in your own personal life if you were to even look at that I think God's worthy of a 12 minute hand clap I think he really is and 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 when you when we do that it, it enthrones God Psalm 22 says God is enthroned upon our praise it enthrones God not that, not that when we're not praising God that He's no longer on the throne of heaven, but that when we praise God, it, it puts Him back on the throne of my heart. Okay? Because whatever I celebrate is what I enthrone. That becomes my Lord and that becomes what I worship if I celebrate it. Okay? God alone is to be celebrated. He is the one who should be more celebrated than anything else in your life. And we celebrate our kids at their baseball games and we clap for their teams and we support each other in what we're doing, of course. And we, there's nothing sinful in this. But God should always be celebrated more. God should always be celebrated more. And you know, it's, it, isn't it a bit funny? I grew up, I grew up in a couple of stale churches. Um, there were some good people in them and God was in them at times when he was allowed. You know, it... it um, uh, but I think about it, and you'd go to church with these people, and we'd sing our songs religiously. We would listen to our sermon quietly. And then you think, you see these same people out at the ballpark, you know, later on that day, you know, and it's like, woo, that's my baby over there. Come on, hit a home run. Let's go. Let's do it. Oh, yeah, you're the best. Woo. You know, <laughs> you know, and it, it's a it's a bit ironic. You know, it's a bit ironic that that you're celebrating. You know, I mean, hey, little Jimmy did just smack that baseball right off of that tee, and and yeah, he did just run down the third base line and then turn around and make it all the way to first base. You know, goodness, way to go, Jimmy. That's fantastic. Has God not done something better than that? Our, our, our praise is misproportioned at times. We need to become a people um, like the sons of Korah who, who, who knew God was worthy of my praise. And you've got to remember the time that they lived. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. The sons of Korah, they didn't write all these psalms out of, out of triumph. This is not King David. They did not write these songs out of, out of amazing moments of victory. Church, they wrote these songs out of remembrance stories they had not even seen God move significantly in their day and you have okay you have I have they were saying they were saying remember the stories our dads told us clap your hands people shout to God he's worthy of it and I believe it was a lot longer than 12 minutes of an ovation when they would get together and read this song it's amazing. We need to become worshipers in that way. We need to give God 
the praise that he's due. The praise, and, and, it, and, it, and it changes us too. Because when you're celebrating God that hard, man, it just, I don't want to go too far off. I haven't gotten much into our Psalms today, but man, it, it, it sure does infuriate your enemy for God to be praised and exalted that much. Why do you think the enemy is working so hard in media and pop culture and in music? Because what's the response that people give to the movies and to the music and to the TV shows? It's celebration and it's praise. And it's something that is made for God. These hands were made to clap together for God. This voice was made to sing to God. My shout was made to give to God. Right? Isn't that incredible? We'll move on just for the sake of time. It's a, it's a blessing. It's an amazing blessing. He chose our heritage for us. The pride of Jacob. Whom he loves. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. So the sons of Korah just wrote this to just, hey, let's give God our praise. Let's give him what he's due. Let's give him what he's worthy of. Psalm 48. Great is the Lord. And greatly is to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth. Amazing. It goes on. He's speaking of how, how God's blessing is on Zion. As God's blessing is on His people. And, and, that it, it, and there has been times where people have even come against it. And, it, and they've been they've been bent into a total panic. They trembling took a hold of them as though they were as women in anguish of labor. You know? And so they're going, hey, every weapon that's ever been formed has failed. You know, I've had, I, I'm just, I've had about 15 moments in the last year where I've gotten alone with the Lord and started to think about how every weapon that has ever been formed against me has failed. Sometimes we just we, we linger and we think about how devastating this was or that was. But stick around for a little while because if you follow the Lord, these weapons, they'll be formed. You'll see the formation. You will see the formation of the weapon. But it won't prosper against you. And that's what they are saying is everything that's come against our city has failed because God has been with us. And verse 9 is tremendous. We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. I love that. That's a, probably one of the greatest secrets that you could ever have to prosperity in your life is how often do you think about the steadfast love of God? The mind is a powerful thing. How often do you just think about how good God is? How often do you allow your mind to just simply wrap around the goodness of God again. And it's hard. It's hard to do that because the mind is a wandering thing and it's hard to be disciplined. That, that's the power. That's the power of song. Right now, if you were to begin to sing, you know, uh, great are you, Lord. You know, it's your breath. And you just start to sing that song. That is what's flooding your mind. And and, and, and it's, it's your breath that's going out, it's your voice that's going out, it's your song that's going out. And it's in those moments that it's, you know, it's easy for your thoughts to be on God in that moment. It, when you sit down in the Word, it's easy for your thought. When you, when you go into the assembly of the people, that's why I said, we've thought on your steadfast love, O oh God, in the midst of your temple. You need to put yourself in atmospheres and places 
that it's where it's it's conducive to just dwelling upon the goodness of God again. What do you think communion's all about? That's what the beautiful thing about communion is. Our, and a lot of times I think in our modern day churches, we don't partake of communion enough. Now we now at my church we do. We I I have a passion for that. That doesn't make us better than other people. I'm just saying we have a passion for that at my church. We do it every time we gather. We, we partake of communion, or at least it's available to partake of. And you know why? Because we need to think about the steadfast love of God. And when you're holding of that bread and you're holding of that cup, that's what that moment is all about. Is God, let's just stop for a second. Wow, you gave your body. Wow, you gave your blood. That's the only reason I'm here. Matter of fact, jumping forward to Psalm 49. It says, truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and never suffice that he should live on forever. And see the pit. The the the, the, psalm, the psalmist there, the sons of Kor, when they wrote in Psalm 49, it was the same. It was the same concept. They go, who who can buy their way away from death? No one can. Everyone must die, and 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 they they will rot in their grave. It's the same in, in thinking of the steadfast love, and holding of the bread and holding of the cup. It should be reminded that I am holding of the ransom for my death. I, have, I am holding of the price that was paid that I, that I could live forever. That's a holy moment, church. It's a powerful, powerful moment. Back to 48, it said, um, and, and so we need to consider. It says, walk about Zion, go around her, consider her, you know, that you may tell the next generation that this is God. You know, just soak in it and just look at the beauty and what God has done and and meditate upon his love and then tell of the next generation. And this was their culture. I talked about this a lot a few days ago or maybe yesterday. This is their identity is we received this faith from our fathers and we don't really care about giving that much of an inheritance to our children, but, but that they would know who God is, that they would know his blessing on Zion, that they would know, you know, his works of old. That was their greatest passion in church. I wish again that that would become our greatest passion is that more than I want to see my kids go to a university, more than I want to see my kids make a lot of money, more than I want to see my kids, you know, get married and have a bunch of kids, more than I want grandchildren, more than I want anything, that I want my kids to carry on the faith that I have, that that would be my greatest desire. And if that's my greatest desire, that I would tell of the next generation of the deeds and the things and the mighty works that I've seen God perform in my day. And so in 49, uh, he does the, they do start to address here, you know, why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me? And he goes through and it basically just says, I know that, that everything around me is temporary and that nothing will last forever and that all die. And, and that the, he starts to speak about wisdom. And anytime someone really starts to speak about wisdom, they will eventually begin to speak about death. Because one of the wisest things that you could ever figure out, and this is why Ecclesiastes is kind of a sort of a somber <laughs> book, because Solomon and all his wisdom talks so much about death. Because when you really are truly a wise person, you realize that you will die. It is not wise to think that you're going to live on the earth forever. It is very foolish. It's very wise to understand that me and everyone I know is going to die. I'm just, there's just not much more of a, of a wisdom that you could possess because if I know that I'm going to die and, and, and I'm not going to live forever, then who really cares that much about my house and my land and my car? Because one day I'm just going to die and it's just going to go to somebody else and, and, and 
is that really going to bless them that much? No, because then they're going to die and it's going to go to somebody else. And, it, and it, so it's just, it changes how we live. But also when I look around and realize the people around me are going to die too. Right? And who knows, maybe I'll die before them or maybe they'll die before me. But it, regardless, it changes the way that I sow into them, how I communicate with them, how I share the gospel with them, how I love them. One day I'm probably going to miss them. Did you ever think about that? One day I'm going to miss them. You know? if they, Who knows, they might go before me. Especially those that are older than you. Of course, we never know. But there's a lot of wisdom and understanding that this life is very temporary on this side. But the psalmist wrote here with faith. They said, no matter what comes, I'm not going to fear in times of trouble. I know God's got my back based off what he's done. I know what he can do and I know what he will do again. And so my confidence is not in homes and things and possessions and money circumstances my faith is in God who I believe has the power to bless me and redeem me from everything that I'll face on earth and I believe the psalmist even wrote has the power to redeem my life from the pit and from Sheol he was looking on ahead at the hope of glory Jesus Christ this was years decades millennials this was this was a thousands of years before Christ would ever come and there was such a faith to go, I know that God has a plan for the righteous to redeem them from Sheol. And that plan was fulfilled in Jesus Christ who came to save those who looked onwardly ahead at his coming and all those like us who now look at his, at his death, burial, resurrection, and we believe. It's a powerful thing, church.